Good evening, good morrow, and good morning, everyone. I am back, we're back, but back with who? Today, we have the one and only Soul Magic, our magical teacher, educator, and friend at this point, who has <laughs> voluntarily walked back into the smoke lounge. Soul, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. I will volunteer every time, too. I have a great time every time. I learn something new, and I hope that this time is no different. I am confident in that. I'm confident in that. Well, hopefully we can, if nothing else, get some giggles and good conversation. True. Today, today, everybody, we have a conversation, which I believe there's a lot of application. There's a lot of practicality to because of the power in the view. That has to do with how we see the world. Cultures since the beginning of time have authored, dictated, created entire religions, faith, and civilizations architecture dedicated to how they see and perceive the world. Why? Why did they choose that view? And more particularly, Brother Soul, how do you see the world? Well, I like to think about it. What, what had a profound impact on me is a statement made by Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein had taken ill, like severely ill at one point in his career. And he had been bedridden for, I want to say months, maybe a month. And the doctor came to see him and basically said that he needed to stay in the bed, at which point Albert Einstein said, is this the will of God? I think not. And so from that day forward, he would get up and go and play his piano for an hour or so and then lay down and, you know, worked his way back into where he wanted to be, regaining his health. And the fundamental question that he was asking is, is the universe that we live in friendly or hostile? And I tend to lean towards it's friendly. And through that lens is how I view everything. Now, that's a, that's a very interesting view. And as I, I say that because from my, if I were to take the, you know, the, the devil's advocate perspective, the world does not seem friendly. It seems dangerous, it seems violent. It seems, you know, especially if I, you know, I take me as I was, as I was born, as I was founded, if I were to just go to nature, to the world, I don't know that I would survive friendly, friendly. How, how did, how did that, that, how did you come to have that relationship with how you saw the world? Well, it probably started with where I grew up and getting to where I am now in life. It reminds me of a, a segment of a song by uh, the late rapper Nipsey Hussle. I saw people die and go to jail all around me, but I didn't, you know, and the only thing that I could attribute to that is just the fundamental way in which I reacted to people, the way that I acted with my environment, it reciprocated. It, it almost like it protected me from the things that were going on in my neighborhood or in my area. So even though if society was to fail tomorrow, and you have no running water, you have no electricity. I, I just believe that people who are, I hate to use the word good, let's say aware of their relationship with nature itself, I think they'll thrive. It will be the people that don't have that connection, you know, because again, the universe is fundamentally good. So if it appears not to be so, I theorize that it's because we're not so. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I follow with that. Actually, in fact, it even it helps. It's about because you you answer the question. You know, my follow up question was effectively, you know, what delineated you from them? And you know, you talk about you know, it's about how how where does that perception begin? I I know. How, what's your opinion on the the expression? Uh, perception is reality. True and false. Okay, take, take, take me through it, take me through it. I, I, I knew there'd be some wisdom there. What you got? Now, now in the, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, people who read, for example, or who are members of the Moorish Sons Temple of America are familiar with the passage in their holy book that says that man is a mixture of truth and falsehood, strangely mixed. And that always stuck with me. I was like, that's oddly specific. And um, that might be from the Aquarian, Gos Aquarian Gospels, because that book was a takeoff of that. 
but um, I like that though. That you know that that that's like okay, all right. I mean, it's again, it's not really falling into we're all good, we're all bad or evil or bound by self pleasure or you know have to stay away from it. It gives you a sense of like, well, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. So in a sense, with uh, perspective being reality, um, from the first person point of view, your perspective is your reality. It, it is what it is. A spoon is a spoon. Um, from someone, what's that, second or third person observing you and then forming an, an opinion about you can impact your life in such a way, especially if it's your boss, for example, your, your employer. If they have a negative opinion of you, that perspective, even if it's false, they can enforce certain things like it's true. It still has that impact on you. Ultimately, there's definitely an authority that, that's active. So, and I like I never heard it worded like that before. That effectively is like, yeah, perspective is reality, but from which point of view and whose reality as it goes. I like, oh, all right, all right, we're cracking into that. I'm gonna write that shit down one second. <laughs> it all depends on on who's looking, who is the observer. So from the first person point of view, um, you define your reality. You put the label on things that you want to put it, be, the, be it consciously or subconsciously. I was thinking earlier about the dilemma of uh, what they call racism, which I think is classism based on a limited perspective. Um, and that, like that people have come to be associated with a certain culture based on a color, as opposed to really getting to know them. I don't think it's actually because that person is that color. I think it's a, an, an association with what they expect from that color. And of course, we talked about the media before. I think that has a large hand in it. But again, that's that's perspective. That's not reality. So, but it can hit like reality, though. It can hit like reality, though. Shit. Yes, it can. Good God. But, well, that's really interesting when you look at it that way, that effectively, especially when you talked about with, you know, what people call as racism, effectively, you know, there, there's, a, there's a physicality that is being applied, but that is effectively not, that, I mean, obviously that is not the problem. It has to do with how it's being connected. It has to do with how people are taking and applying something that has, no, I'm not saying no value, but when they're using that as a metric, rather than taking time to, you know, to be with a person, to dwell and to sit with them, to know them, to take a measure and a metric, which does matter, which, which has value, right? You know, there's like the, the, the issue and likewise the magic at times, not with this issue, but in other things is occurring when you have something where there's a, there's a, a mediation. There, 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 there's a reality there's a there's the thought and, the, and an idea behind it and then there's something that people are doing because of how they're perceiving this exchange yeah exactly that's and that's where the magic is um we are pretty much as a species on autopilot and that's largely because we don't have time um we have to work we have to raise our kids we're trusting that the government is doing what we are paying them to do but because we don't really have time to manage our collective affairs. And so this is kind of how we lived as a species before civilization, because filtering uh, often meant the difference between living and dying. If I heard a rattle, it would be better for me to get up and run away from that rattle and learn that it was harmless than to stay there and know it was a snake that bit me and now I'm dying, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, no, you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. I mean, especially when you talk about the beginning of our, our race, when we started to evolve and when the, the, the few times in that collective place where we see you know these moments of enlightenment, of, of the ability to actually where our, our society and our, our culture does what it's supposed to do. The government, you know, all of the bodies act in such a way where we are allowed to for a moment foster those those views it doesn't happen often no no and so again nature the universe being a friendly place and if it's not a friendly place it's because we're not that points to the fact that we're not we're not actually in tune with nature everyone outside of us let me say again everyone that is outside of us everyone that's out here is nature 
the people you see every day. That's nature. It's not just the trees. It's not just the grass. It's not just the rain. It's not just the animals. It's the people too. I so like that a lot. When we get in tune with the nature, we'll learn that the universe is a friendly place. I've had many people who were taught one thing in terms of what to expect from people that look like me. But they decided to get in tune with the nature. We had a meaningful discussion. And we both learned something. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. So if we could do these, when if we could win these small battles in communities all over the world, before you know it, we'll have that friendly world. it sounds simple, but it ain't because. You oh know. God, you know, I mean that that definitely takes us into. So, okay, now let's let's now we've talked about some of the grander, more beautiful views of the world in regards to it's you know inherently it's good and you are good within it, bound to further serve the cycles you're involved with. Mm-hmm. But what about some of you know? I know you've done a lot of study with Kabbalah, or at least in similar uh, study of those ancient worldviews, where there was a lot of rows, a lot of systems. Like let's let's take about let's just take the the tree of life. Mm-hmm. It breaks the world down a little differently. What are some of the more complicated worldviews you've seen, or likewise, what are some more complex views or aspects to how you view the world, and why do you view that in that way? More complex? How? I don't. Well, so let's look at complex in, in the sense of only meaning when we focus in on them, right? You know, that grand scale is just as complex as, you're not grand, the, the, the simple, not simple hmm, words. When we talk about the world being as well, that is, that is a full and original statement of the very same thing which all cosmologies could ever seek to describe. Mm-hmm. When we focus in on certain aspects of it, which have either practical application or mystery, some aspect to them which is deeply ensnaring of us, we ought, we'll hold on to them. We'll, we'll add, add them into our ritual, to our altar, to our space. What are some aspects of something like that that you use or have brought into yours? Well, I would say, uh, I, w- I would put the caveat that I, no one should necessarily do what I do. Um, I, I assume no liability <laughs> if something goes. <laughs> you fuck it up. It's all on you, boo. This is a conversation, <laughs> not an instruction. Right. So, um, I think the biggest takeaway that I have so far, and it's fitting because it's it's Friday evening, and and from what I understand in Jewish culture, it's the beginning of the Sabbath, and um, the Sabbath, in my worldview, being from sunset right now on on what we call Friday to sunset on what we call Saturday. Then that sunset to sunset, I call Saturday, right? But people got different timelines. And Saturday is ruled by Saturn, the cube, lead, blackness, lessons. So I think overall, that's been my that's been my path is we have a tendency to like with my children, if they do something wrong, oftentimes it's hard for them to learn a lesson because they don't want to hear they they tell me what they've done, but then they don't want to necessarily receive what I have to say about that. That little counterpart there at the end, right? Right, right. And it's the same thing, in my opinion, with Saturn. People talk about Oh, it's my Saturn return. Things are going to be hard. And, you know, people often associate heaviness with Saturn. And yeah. I mean, its symbol is lead. So I guess it makes sense, right? Yeah, it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's thick. Yeah. But the thing is, is that Saturn is all about the lessons or the, or, or the judgment of something that you've done and you having to face it. If you face it, you learn from it, you become a better person. What happens is that many times, like our children, we don't want to face it. And so I think the the Kabbalah, Kabbalah, how, however people say it, because some people are very particular about saying this. Oh, so I, I mean, guarantee you, if I said it, I fucked it up. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's probably, however, I'll just, you tell me, so how do we say it? How should I say it? Or how have your studies indicated that you say it? Well, I would say to that, that I like to say it as Kabbalah, Kabbalah. 
because I believe wow. the Q or that that uh, 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 that's a what's that? That's gonna be a cough, I believe. I think it's gonna be a cough in the Hebrew alphabet, cough right before Lamed, so it'd be like our K. And I believe that has more of a guttural sound, you know, like guttural. And oh, um, yeah. And so I go with that. But if someone comes up to me and says, you're saying it wrong, you're supposed to say it like this, I'll listen to how they say it. I'll probably say it a few times. And truthfully, if it feels better to me, I'll say it. If it feels, I like that. If it feels better. That's been a lot of the, especially with the, you know, my regular uh, butchering of any language I can get my hands on, read <laughs> here, you know, like I'm, I'm gonna mess it up terribly. I've listened to my own readings. It is bad. It's very bad in hindsight. Um, but I say it because I feel it. And if I can feel it, then it doesn't really matter how it comes out. That's even the root of a lot of practice is, does it feel right? Did you right. feel it? Did you move in it? I want to roll back to just a point where you talked about how some of the correspondence that you've engaged with, with Saturday, with this form and with Saturn as it is. And I think it's where, what affirms for me, where I, I see the link between your story and mine is I am a, I'm a devotee or an active, I don't know, I don't, I don't necessarily use the word devotee. Yes, I don't I like that, but I have a relationship with a Baron Samadhi. And I tell you, and his day is Saturday. Samadhi en Francais is Saturday. So he is literally Lord of Saturday. And inevitably, the, the entirety of the time that I've spent with him, the way you describe the lessons that Saturday holds for you, even, you know, when in certain aspects like judgment, it's not judgment, but it's a the inevitable acceptance for things for what you have done for what is done as you come to that point of realization that this is where you are at mm -hmm. there's you know the, effectively what comes next is going to be what comes next not what you choose yeah, it's a reckoning uh, yes yes time to pay the bill <laughs> gotta be guy you gotta pay him a book like 100 percent Mm -hmm. And Samaday took me every, uh, when, I, when I started it, it was like, I, I thought I would have dreams and visions of, of dying in very horrific ways um, or very normal ways, like just, but over and over and over again. And there wasn't the release. Usually when you die, you know, there's some aspect where you, you, you go on, you move. You're not always bound to conscious awareness of the flesh as it's uh, attacked, not attacked, as it's found back right. into nature. Right. Um, and there was such a, I, he had spent a long time being buried alive. He spent a long time, you know, as a, as a pharaoh, right? You know, what it meant to be mummified, to feel all of that, to be aware of it, to go through and over and over and over and over again until you become aware of what inevitably is the reality of the experience, the reality of what, you know, what you are experiencing when you're going through these deaths, these, these micro deaths in some cases, or these macro deaths. But there, you know, there's something to be learning and to engage in. And when you make every day that leads up to that moment matter and serve it, well, then inevitably when you cross that, there's there, there's more for you on the other side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if I heard correctly, you said uh, Baron? Baron Samade. The Baron, yeah. That's what I thought you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you got you, you got that look. I, what's um I, I want to say what's what's that thought passing by? Well, I have a, I have a I have a I have a um a hard time, or I have had I hesitate. I put it that way. I hesitate even speaking about the Baron or any of the Jed. Um, they 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 serious. <laughs> some bad shit. It, they mean that shit. It ain't no games over there. I don't know how else to put it. Like, uh, like I put it like this. My son, my son is 24. And my son has been coming to me over the last year talking about he wants to become Ifa and, you know, reading everything he wants to, you know, reading everything on Ifa and Orishas. And, and then he started, uh, he read everything he could find on uh, Yoruba. And then everything he could find on um, what is it? Um, Kambalak? Santeria? Yes, Santeria. Yeah, Santeria. And um, what see, is it? See, 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 told you I fucked it up, soul. <laughs> no, some people say it though, like, that way. It just depends. Um, the I doesn't have always such of a prominent um, pronunciation with it, depending on where you are. Um, my, no, Palo Meombe. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know exactly what, you, what you're talking about. 
so he's going through this 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 I guess quest for knowledge. Um, during that time, he he got arrested and did some time in jail. And in that time, it was just him and his his thoughts. And uh, he he as he puts it was communing very heavily with a shoe and and yeah. so forth, really getting into things. And, and yeah. he had gotten gotten out. And um, you know he was spending time with his daughter. And let me let me shorten this because this is a part that relates to the Baron in his life. And um, he he made up to himself without telling anyone. Without normally he would say, "Hey, Dad." Da, 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 da. And That's I, I, I did, would, get, yeah. but like, hell no, I don't do that. <laughs> but he, you know, he decided he wanted to have a relationship with the Baron. Um, and he he called me on a Sunday morning because uh, the previous evening. Uh, he he could feel the Baron strongly, like he was having, like he would think something, and the Baron would respond in the environment, like they were having a conversation. Yeah. And his little girl was running around, and they had this huge flight of steps, and um, his little girl ran towards the steps at high speed for no apparent reason. And my son said he saw the Baron standing right there, and he ran top speed and grabbed his daughter. And he said, no, nope, no. Nope. He said he told the Baron, no, nope, no, nope, I don't play like that. I don't play like that. Nope, I don't. I, that's all right. You know what I mean? And it, it spooked him out so bad that I, I would have told him if he'd asked. I don't mess. I don't. I don't mess around with. Yeah, that. I know. And I mean, and you know, it's funny you say that. And like, if there's only one thing that I know about, uh, and and to be honest, like, I, I can I say proud in it. I, I I would walk into any member, any family of that space, and, and confidently call myself a a friend of mm -hmm. somebody and but he loves kids he loves kids a lot mm. a lot mm. and you know when and, and i don't i don't play into a lot of the, the like the overhype that you know so like uh, american horror story put into like a papa lick book and um you know i i don't it's not it's not my it's not my world but i know for a fact how much he loves kids mm -hmm. so when you talk about that i'm like yeah yeah def def fuck infinitively yeah 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 it's 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 wild american horror story that's the that's that was that was i think it was that show it kind of ticked me off because um i believe it was uh sadibe I, I think her name is sadibe she she became uh famous and precious yeah and, uh, she was in that episode and she was looking for papa legba right she looking for papa legba yeah and she ended up going to this place to her personal hell to, to find Papa Legba. But it was actually the Baron that she found. But all through the episode. Fucking thank you. Thank you. Good God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, please just get it right. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, invoke a deity of any sort, you know. At least, I mean, you, you could put it now. And I'll be honest. And that's one of the spaces where it comes to worldviews, right? world views have an immense power and you talk about in certain aspects like the the journey that your son was on i'll even speak just personally the journey that i was on so voodoo um and what i'm going to just say what i reference as i call one of the original faiths or the original relationships that man ever had with themselves that that is mirrored echoed and exists in in all of those uh today and i would i i am hesitant to call them like folk practices but inherently, like I'm referring to things like uh, Santiago, um, Pablo Santa, uh, the Vudo, like these things which are coming from a place where through culture and time they've been changed. You know, we like like we talked about before, have the gods come back? Well, they've never been lost, but they've 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 evolved. They've changed our relationship and our understanding of who, what, and how those things correspond to what they actually are, the absolutes that they represent. It's a the worldviews that are hidden and protected, even in the fraternity, we look at this. Um, I did it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> um, worldviews are powerful and they're well guarded, closely guarded. In fact, I could never find, I, I did all of the research. I did all of the things on the internet. I never found any authoritative or what gave me that, like, that feeling in a written text from any, anything relating to any of these uh, these faiths, these practices, it doesn't exist. And I'll stand to it that if you find it and it is written, it will be gray. There's some, you know, it's it, it's kind of like we talked about in the beginning. It's, it's, it's a little true, a little wrong. You know, there, there's some, because that is a worldview 
which has a mm. lot of power, but which which is protected as it is orated by the spirits which keep it, guard it, and speak it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it it's it's a uh, and those who have it, even like when we talk about varying systems of high magic, it is driven oftentimes by a worldview like God is so supreme, God is so alpha and omega that when I align myself with Him. And I tell the bad thing to do what I say, it will do it because I'm with the big guy, you know, like it's right. a worldview, which drives my ability to do something. Right, right. And that's, uh, I think that's most people who uh, have some sort of relationship, be it orthodox religion or, or just in the realm of magic. I think that um, everyone moves with the, with the idea that I'm with the big guy. So do what I said, do, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. So, and um, I'm not sure where your hesitancy comes from. You mentioned earlier, you hesitate to call it a folk practice. And um, what popped in my head instantly was I'm a happy pagan, like I'm a happy pagan. And when I say that, you know, of course I'm referring to the fact that pagan is a word used to describe villagers and people who didn't live in the big cities or whatever. They were the folk people. You know, pagans yeah. are folk people. And uh, of course, the Christians uh, uh, went a step further in calling and uh, in, in branding us as such as a derogatory term, but that's literally what we were, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like somebody saying, um, you have a, what color is your car or your truck? What color is your vehicle? We actually don't have one. Uh, we'll go with it. It's a blue bike. The blue what? A blue bike, a uh, blue, a uh, blue, a uh, blue like uh, Cali cruiser. What color? What color do you want it to be? We'll we'll say black. Black what? Uh, make it like a uh, black cross. Okay, so that's like me coming up to you in the future when you have your car and say you have a black car. It's like okay, that's the facts, you know, but. What that's been interpreted as is like it's a derogatory term in general, and it's not. Being folk is is really where it's at, in my opinion. Uh, so I don't challenge that in the slightest. I, I definitely like I, I agree with that wholeheartedly because that's I and I love these words. I find that a lot of people they don't they don't always love these words. Yeah. That I, I hear them, and I've you know, and to be honest, I'll go toe to toe. I've been tried and been tried again. Uh, in any aspect of my life and in many in many areas so i'll have a conversation if you can prove me wrong i'll, I'll sit and i'll learn i'll mm -hmm. figure out what we can do to do different but a lot of times people get very sensitive very very sensitive especially when you got a scrawny white boy saying blue dome <laughs> um so in that moment do you think the world is a friendly place <laughs> yeah no <laughs> Shit. you know the world yeah people within it i don't know yeah, yeah. I think therein lies the challenge. Um, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm 46, and I only say that to say I'm not sure if you've seen this movie. Um, but I used to watch it as a kid called Boys Town. The main character was a guy named Father Flanagan, and uh, he was basically in charge of this orphanage. It was one of the movies. I'm not sure if you know who. Um, I was gonna say Mickey Rooney, like. Like it was a matter of fact, you might not necessarily know who that is. No, I, I am. I'm familiar with Mickey Rooney in certain spaces. It may have originated from a family guy short, gotcha. but I am familiar. Gotcha. So he was a kid in this movie, right? I think this is the movie that made him famous and he just kind of wrote it for the rest of his life. Um, Father Flanagan had a saying that there was no such thing as a bad boy. And then when you watch the movie, you see the links that he would go to in order to accommodate these young men who society had basically written off. And that's kind of that's kind of how I, I, I look at it in terms of the world being in that case, you send your voodoo voodoo your practice of voodoo but maybe you're saying it to someone who gives some hostility. In that case, it, it goes back to communication right so. You know, just being humans now, just being humans, you know, and opening up and understanding each other's perspectives. In some cases, you might have someone that might not want to open up at that moment in time, but at some point they would, you know. Um, this whole idea of peace, they say that you have to have peace on the planet only by war. I agree with that, but I don't think it's the kind of war that they're fighting. I think it's a war, you know, the war against being uncomfortable about talking about how we actually feel, you know, 
being honest, you know, this is the only way that, and honest don't necessarily mean truth, right? I mean, right. honest as in being your authentic self. Yeah, sometimes think, your authentic self is, you know, a lying yeah. asshole. <laughs> if that's who you are, though. Right, you know? yeah. Because I believe that uh, the authenticity, irrespective of what it's wrapped in, when you unwrap it, it's all the same in everybody and everything yeah. that's living. My dog right here, you know what I mean? She don't speak no English, but I know what she means. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, but there, there is a, there's a universal language. Yeah. And I, we need to take the time to tap into that. You know, I think that's, and I, I, I want to emphasize we, you know, not necessarily just us individually in our own practices, but, you know, being among each other more often. A lot of the times, the things that we're looking for are in other people. God has a sense of humor, by the way. Oh, fucking A, man. <laughs> Comedian level, like, yeah. gold. Yeah. Yeah. It's been my experience that the being that we call God will put what you're looking for in the possession of those who you've established as hostile. Not you as in you, but I give you an example. Um, there was this guy named Anwar in my at my college i hated this guy man i hated this guy he he was from new york and he was just like stereotypical new york he wasn't like a real new yorker but you know he was yeah um, i mean he was and then he sucked yeah and and this was like 90 94 94 and i had lost something i think it was my card to get back into my dorm and this guy of all the people the police or anybody else was the person who knew where my card was he had found it you know what i mean and so i say that oh, that's something shit. small but i would say that whatever we're looking for we're going to get it from one another you know what i mean and the only way that the only way the piece is we all got to participate we got to all participate well you know you're you're you're, you're damn sure i mean you are honestly more accurate in the way you described it. not only god has a sense of humor but like listen if you want something expect to find it in the hands of the person you hate the most mm -hmm. because if you can be if you could be polarized then there will be some force to neutralize you right to, to help teach you to instruct you to put you in some position mm -hmm. to learn i know i mm, that was one of the first fucking things i learned in my study of magic or the that primordial science was it like be careful what the fuck you ask for because <laughs> good god he gives it they give it it's all there it's right there but i don't think we understand what we say and what we do when we do it or when we say it half the time and then we get very confused when all of the things that we actually asked for come quiddling back to us like no i sent you away i casted you away my worldview says that you're demonic and i said you could not exist anymore my holy light of jesus protects me but despite the fact that that's what I, how I perceived it, the reality of the situation that it's still here. Yeah. Right there. Didn't go nowhere. <laughs> no, no, you're out of yeah. Yeah. So well, go ahead, but my apologies. There was something that you had said in that sentence that, that raised a kind of like a bell, but then I realized that I wasn't listening any longer. So <laughs> I lost the thought, so. No, I've been there. That gets me all the fucking time. I'm like, oh, he said it. And then I'm like, I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I need, I need like at least a few more parts to that before I give it. And then I turn, I'm like, oh shit, he's looking. Like, <laughs> oops. No, so when we talk about worldviews in, in general, right? There is inherently, at least my opinion, you know, if you, if you don't like my opinion, fuck off, but not you. Those are those lovely opinionated members who like to leave comments that I challenge and welcome. Um, each individual opinion being their own, as you have found it and yours has evolved, how have you experienced the people around you change as your view of the world has changed? I find, as <laughs> interesting, I find that people around me um, aren't as rigid. And I can attribute that directly to me because there was a period in time, you know, let's say everyone that, that knew me when I was 19 and 20 know me now, right? And when I was around that age, I was very rigid in my belief system, kind of an all or nothing 
kind of approach. Like either you either you love Jesus or you're going to hell kind of guy. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's very common of youth. Yeah. And then as I as I grew older, I began to become more flexible in my uh, uh, my worldview. But what another case of the universe having a, a, a sense of humor? Um, again, I'm at college. We're at a dorm party, sitting down, drinking beers, smoking cigarettes, and what have you. And there's this guy there. He was a philosophy major, right? And my friend Daniel, he said, yeah, he doesn't believe in God. And so I turned to him and said, you don't believe in God? And he was like, no, I don't believe in God. He was like, I, I just believe in nature because the nature has always been here. And, and in the most abrupt and rude manner possible, I said, quote, shut the fuck up with that bullshit, end quote. And then I proceeded to inform him <laughs> that God was real. I was a real Christian soldier, you feel me? <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you, man, you were doing well on TikTok today, my man. Yeah. Holy shit. So then years go by. When I say years, about three or four years go by. Um, I evolve into a Rasta, start getting into this and that, you know, dabbling with magic. And just so happens, my friend Dan, I went back to Maryland, and I linked up with my friend Dan, and we, we rode somewhere over his friend's house. And then at his friend's house, the guy who I abruptly said, shut the fuck up, was there, right? Shit. And I felt horrible. I felt so horrible. And, um, you know, time had gone on. We were in there again drinking and, and uh, smoking cigarettes and, and so forth. And I just, I couldn't hold it no more. I turned to him and I said, hey, yo. I'm sorry. And he said, why, why you say that? I said, I don't know if you remember me, but back at UMBC, the college we went to, we had a discussion about if there was a God or not. And I told you, shut the fuck up with that bullshit. And then a light bulb came on over his head and then he recognized me. He's like, oh man, I've been forgot about that. I was like, you don't understand. I've been thinking about that, that moment for about a year and a half. I've been thinking and feeling horrible about it. And then he materialized in my reality. So that was my chance to make amends. This is a lot of what humans need to do in general. You know, I think if we made amends with just the people that we know or the people that we influence, that could go a long way, you know? You know, so I'm going to segue. I'm going to use that. And I think this perfectly segues into an aspect of like, let's talk about that worldview, right? As a parent, I think one of the things that every parent can benefit from more of it's it's apologizing to your kids and reconciling and maybe like acknowledging that you fucked up, you know, like the amount of times that like, I will snap at my daughter or my, my son or I don't know something happens I act human. I have a very mortal moment and inevitably I was like no they were right and, and like why did I get upset by that was that something worth getting upset and, and I have to bring myself to a point of like going. I need to apologize. Do I need to explain every aspect of it? No, but there's some aspect, you know, there's a regret. There's an aspect in my heart that I can feel that I'm going to go to bed with. They will forget it. You know, kids, children, the remarkable thing is they, they move on, but you don't. And when you don't, when you feel that, when you have that sensation, accountability to yourself and to those parties involved is the first step to understanding what got you there in the first place. You, know, you mm. talk about worldviews. There's always this this whole overarching almost every belief ever has this faith that god is infallible it anchors in the fact that god can do no wrong can make no wrong everything because is it as it because it is now and as is that it's it, it, perfect it's perfect they're perfect however you see it mm -hmm. and oftentimes that infallibility gets correlated into the very fallible views of that infallibility yeah. So that we, we treat the, the, you know, our evolving view as children or as adults or practitioners or believers to be as infallible as the thing that it's based off of. Mm -hmm. So when you have to start reconciling it, apologizing, having moments where, you know, maybe it didn't feel right in the Christian faith, I, that was one of the first things that motivated me to move out of it was when I didn't feel right. Something stuck with me, lasted with me. It became hard to reconcile that when I had this idea, I had, I had an idea in my mind that it couldn't be. That basically it was that, you know, you talk about that true Christian warrior, that true 
extremist on any level where you're unable to, to reconcile, to get to a state of neutrality, you're bound in polarity, polarized reaction. It can be very difficult to, to go to, to, to figure out how to reconcile something that has been treated as authority, you know, as absolute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, in terms of infallibility, um, I certainly understand that almost to an, an insane level. And when I say an insane level, you're familiar with the movie, The Ten Commandments with Charleston, Charleston Heston? Yeah, yeah, a classic. So, so this movie now is fiction, right? It's a movie. It's not actually Moses, right? <laughs> right. As a as an eight or nine year old kid watching that on my black and white little television in my room as a kid, and my mother in the living room watching it on the floor model. Again, I was born in 1975. When this scene came up, and Charleston Heston had this beard as a kid, I said, "Man, he need to shave." <laughs> My mom lost it, fam. <laughs> She's she, like, what? She thought I was blaspheming. You know what I'm saying? This movie. So the whole idea of this infallibility, I don't know where it comes from. I don't think that it comes from the Bible because it's a couple of times at least that it repented God to have made man, which means God was like, oh, shit, I fucked that up. Oh shit, I fucked that up, man. I need that in quotes. Genesis 1 1. <laughs> so and I, I they they hinge so much on God being infallible that um to accept the fact that God might not be infallible is actually I think uh their destructive point, you know. Um they can't they can't prove that God is infallible, even if God is infallible. And I think that's one of the reasons why they lost their influence in the world and the age of enlightenment came because people were sick of this, sick of that shit. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm talking about all. time of rigid nature of like strict, mm-hmm. I don't know, I mean, breaking of the human spirit, which, which almost always fuels these creations of enlightenment, these drives to light. It's because it got really fucking dark for you to go, I can't tell the difference between my hand and my dick. Like, <laughs> right. what am I doing? Right, right. And the, the, the fact is, is that they were poor representatives of something that was true. If you look at God as, as being attached to something, if you look at Christianity, God is really important because he's essentially the only one who can fight satan Mm -hmm. he's the only one that can save you from sin so if you remove satan or sin you essentially move god they're inextricably linked you know even god says in the bible (laughs) since you know i just want to keep it there for a second in the bible god says on several occasions that he's good and that he's terrible and awful that he's the author of that he's not the author of confusion, but he's the one that went down into Babylon and confused them. So there is that dichotomy of this of this being. And if, if they were to embrace that dichotomy, then yeah, God would be infallible because God would have covered all sides. Well, but they only you, you can't these- you can't win if there was never anything being fought over. Right, right. Even this thing they call Satan. You take away God, Satan loses, loses, uh, uh, he loses any kind of importance. Mm-hmm. They're one being. They're, they're one being. It's the same dude, just different, like the seven blind mice. Somebody got a rope and said, oh, this is an elephant. You know, another blind mouse got uh, a chair and said, oh, this is an elephant's uh, leg. They're all blind. Yeah, blind leading blind. It's all based off the speculative view, not. Say again. So I'm just, I was just, I'm, I'm running in the, in the, in the same space. You've got blind leading blind. You know, they're all yeah. operating off of a view of like, what do they feel in their unique hands? Not, not opening their eyes, if possible, if capable, if able, but likewise, learning and listening. Even if you were blind, right? But if mm-hmm. there were millions of those with hands and feeling, communication allows you to go okay well i maybe thought it was the elephant's tail but everybody else said it you know could have 
it couldn't have been, or that, that maybe it was something different, being able to reconcile that. So when we look at how, if we were to take, again, the whole of, whole of this class, this course, this conversation, to try to translate into a practical question or mm -hmm. idea to hand to somebody to make them, not make them, but help highlight their worldview and where it has driven their world, where their perspective has driven their reality. So what do you think is the most important aspect of how we see the world? I think the most important aspect is that that is good. That is good. Because here's why. This forces you to, to, to actually get inside of yourself and examine why you believe, how you actually form your opinion about something. I remember watching, well, a lot of people have said it, but I'm thinking of a movie called uh, uh, Minister Society. It was a scene in Minister Society where a character by the name of Old Dog asked his friend Cain's grandfather, if there's a God, then why be so fucked up around here? Or you hear it phrased like, if God is good, then why are there children starving in this place and that place? Yeah. My opinion is that number one, number one, my mind is finite. I, it's shit on this planet I don't even know about, much less this thing that we call God, at least, at least governs the mechanisms found in the known universe. And I barely know what's going on in my county. So I accept the fact that I'm, I have a limited understanding. But is it possible that these people starving or these people dying is a good thing? Why do I say that? I think about my grandmother, she died in the year 2008. And she was uh, 74, she was gonna turn 75 on October 25th of that year. A few years later, there were some calamities that happened and even now with the, the pandemic and so forth. I think, and this might sound bad to some people, but I, I often am relieved that she isn't here. I'm relieved that my grandfather isn't here to experience these things and people losing their minds and so forth. I'm, I'm able to look at something that most people will say is totally appalling, and I'm able to find something in it that doesn't bog me down. I find the good in it, because if it's bad in it, it's going to be heavy. And my job is to keep my heart light as a feather. So these are just kind of ways of manipulating how you perceive things. If you fundamentally believe that the universe is good, it forces you to reassess those things that you've termed as bad. I like that. And again, if, if, no, if for no other reason, you know, because why would you spend your time thinking it's bad? Why would you invest your energy creating a negative when the reality, even if it may be a cruel illusion, let's just say it does turn to be true. Just, mm -hmm. just say it happens to be right, that the world is inevitably good. Wouldn't it be better to be good and to have loved because you sought to be good objectively rather than fight to resist this drive to do it, right? I mean, to, to succumb to the desire to do something awful. To, to, I like how when you describe there is purpose in pain, there is purpose in what occurs in one moment to the moment that follows. And oftentimes we can't perceive that because we're a part of the moment which is dying and being lost. Mm -hmm. We have yet to arrive at the point in time that is served, supported by all of those little moments, those little blocks that have been placed intentionally so. Yeah, yeah. It's, <clears throat> I think we're kind of trained to look over the little moments. Um, we always, well, not always, I'm generalizing. I'm reminded of like Stephen Covey in uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says to start with the end in mind and then work your way backwards and then work your way forwards to achieving whatever goal it is. Just basic magic stuff, you know? I like it. Again, everybody's listening, write that down. Uh, <laughs> rewind. Yeah. But the thing is, is that often, see, our lives are so, so, complex the average person 
would love to be able to just not have to worry about bills, would, would love to be able to wake up when they feel like it, as opposed to having to wake up to go to work or go to their second job or their third job. Mm-hmm. I think because of that, we become fixated on the end goal. And we often overlook the little steps that get us there. I think we're programmed to do that. And I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I think we're programmed to do that. And uh, I don't know a good way to say this. We have to reconnect with ourselves, but it's going to require something either by the will of the human collective to detach from this society that was handed to us or something's going to happen to detach us from it because we can't keep going on like this. I agree. And you know what? I think that's actually, we're going to, we need to, let's take that. Let's take that as a mission, as a question on a certain level. Let's discuss, let's discuss that force, that drive, that pressure, atmospheric or emanating internally mm-hmm. on our next episode where we get to to fear why let's try to answer that question on why we are moving towards this point and looking at how our worldviews have they, this the collective lessons of of soul you know they've been remarkably critical and they're critical to right now and i think that's what's really important here is if you you heard something in this particular conversation or discussion that you don't understand one go reach out reach out to soul magic directly. You can go on TikTok and message him. You can engage, you can comment. And not only, well, when available, you take the opportunity to commune. You were probably going to, you will be, you will be laughed at or at least be a part of the laughter. Joy, which comes from learning is done when you actually when you get it, when it sits and it roots into yourself, your perspective, how you see it. That's our focus. That's your focus. That's what it all, it all comes from. And let it be good. Let it be good because shit, why, why should it be bad? There's enough in the world to challenge that. Let's focus on all of the reasons to see the good, to find the little bits of joy. Yeah. So yeah. what can we leave our what can we leave them with as they go? Fresh food for thought. Nibble a bit. Uh fresh food for thought is I don't know if it's fresh. It's kind of been the theme that 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 has been coming out of my mouth is is to like you like you just mentioned, look for the good. Um, now, good is, can be different for people, but you know, if you go based on how you feel, I think feeling is is is, is key. You know, you, you can feel when something is the right thing to do, even though when standards of man say it's the wrong thing to do. I think if we focus on the good, it'll go a long way to getting us to where we need to be. Be pro- be solution oriented. Don't be problem oriented absolutely don't focus on complaining figure out what we can do to solve the complaints if you notice the problem in your life in your world in your view in anything there's an answer an answer to why you see it and an answer to what you can do about it and if you don't know the answer if you don't know the answer go find somebody that do we live in the information age there's no excuse (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> let's leave. Let's leave the medieval black ages of the age of distraction. Let us go back to that point of information and accessibility. Well said, so. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this time. I hope we hope that you took something valuable from it. And if not, either way, thank you for enjoying us. Be well. Be blessed. And in all that you do, seek the joy. Find the magic. I'm Mikael Moonstrong. Soul magic. Be well. You as well, my friend. Yeah.